Welcome to the Ridge Cast, a tool created to have conversations about topics we can't always cover on a Sunday. Our desire is for you to become equipped to follow Jesus and be mobilized to pursue His kingdom. We hope today's dialogue takes you one step further in your discipleship journey. Now here is this week's episode. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the first episode of The Ridge Cast. I am so excited to be here. My name is David. I'm the pastor of Discipleship. We are inside our multi-million dollar podcast studio uh, recording this. I'm just kidding. We are uh, just in the church office, but it's going to be great. Uh, Nonetheless, um, we're super excited to be doing this. I'm really excited. Honored to be joined by two guests today that everybody knows and loves. First, to my left, we have none other than our lead pastor, Chan Mitchell. Hey, David. Man, this is a great day. It's good to be here. Something we've been looking forward to is uh, launching a Ridgecast. We've done a lot of talking and a lot of planning, and today it's just great to see all that come together. So we're real excited to be here. And then over to my right, none other than our fearless executive pastor, Matthew Brogdon. Hey, David, Chan. Yeah, it's great to be with you. I'm excited to hear what we're going to get into here today. Yeah, so uh, a lot of people might be wondering, why are we doing a podcast? It seems like everybody is starting a podcast these days. Why would the Ridge start one? And what's the purpose of a church having a podcast? Uh, What kind of things are we going to talk about? And I think the main thing is, when we can open up a dialogue and we can talk about things um, concerning the Christian faith or things concerning the Bible, uh, we can cover and we can get into a level of nuance that you can't always touch on uh, in a sermon or things that you can't always get into just when you're studying the Bible on your own. And uh, theology is something I think that God designed for us to do together. Um, and in the time that we live in, in our place in history, I think God's given us this technology. He's, he's made it readily accessible for us. And I think it's something that we can redeem and we can use to help everyone further, uh, their, their discipleship and their commitment to Jesus. And, uh, our prayer, um, that we even just prayed before we hit record on this is, uh, you know, something similar that Jesus prayed in the garden of Gethsemane, you know, that anyone that would come after, uh, him. Um, would be furthered by the ministry of his disciples. So that's really the goal of this podcast is to help you uh, take one more step uh, towards Jesus, one new step or one deeper step um, towards him. So I'm really excited uh, for the content of this. I know a lot of people probably tuned in and they were really hoping for um, like hair care review products with Chan. Uh, He has a lot. He has a lot of products. Uh, I have a nice collection. Yeah, it's it's pretty impressive. Uh, A lot of people don't know that, but now they do. I've, been, I've benefited from that information, so we'll share that later. Maybe put a link below. <laughs> yeah, and you know, other people have also asked questions about Brogdon's country music EP. If that was going to be debuting on the podcast, is there any any still, hints? Still working on it. Still, still working on it. The, the bon- so I'm working on the bongo tracks right now. So, <laughs> yeah. so it's not a no. No, it, it's in a it's a work in progress. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, if that's something that you're looking forward to, let us know uh, down in the comments on wherever you clicked yeah. uh, to get to this episode. But uh, Chan's going to tell us what we're really going to talk about today. <laughs> yeah, I hate to hear we're not going to get to preview that EP. That's too bad. Um, we hit fifty thousand likes. It'll it'll come out. <laughs> Excellent. No, we are. Uh, uh, I'm excited to open up the Ridgecast with a topic that's really 
close to my heart, not just mine, but our entire staff, our, our leadership teams. You know, every year uh, we talk about and pray about, is there a specific area, a spiritual discipline, a spiritual practice that the Lord wants us to focus on as an entire church body together, just uh, something that we can pray toward and, and strengthen in our own faith. And uh, it just became really apparent at the close of 2021 that the Lord was leading us to focus on unity you know, I don't have to tell you guys that there is disunity everywhere we look these days on the political scene, uh, across all the nations, uh, even in our own uh, backyard here, our own neighborhoods and, and communities and definitely our nation. And so uh, there's just uh, we see disunity in, in all directions. And so um, the Lord just began to put up on my heart the the, the importance of, of oneness and especially oneness in the body of Christ. And and so um, unity just kind of rose to the top. Um, the, the, our elders together read uh, a, a recently published book called uh, Until Unity, written by Francis Chan. A lot of great stuff in that book um, about the importance of, a, of the church of Jesus Christ being one together. And um, it was just really impressive on our heart, the importance of unity right now during this time as a church body. And so uh, that's what we get to focus on today is what does unity really mean in the church? Yeah, I think it's definitely a really timely uh, message because like you said, there's disunity around every single corner um, right now. Do you guys have any thoughts on maybe how we've got to this place uh, in our society and our and our, our place in history? How how did we get to the place where we were so disunified? And do you think it's any different inside the church versus outside the church? You know, uh, Matthew and I are actually discussing this uh, very topic this morning um, that there is so much disunity uh, uh, in in all aspects and. You know, not it's it, when you ask. You know, how did we get here? How did we get to that place? That's a, that's a tough question to answer. One thing that we were discussing is that when um, when my agenda and and my purpose and my desire to make a point. Uh, becomes more important than compromise and and unity. I think that really begins a, a big problem. And, and the more you go down that road of me wanting my way, or I'm making my point, or I'm going to get the things that that I think are the right things, uh, and I'm going to bulldoze anybody that gets in my way. I think that really begins to uh, fracture what we're talking about in terms of unity. Yeah, and I agree. And and unfortunately, across you know whether it's in families or uh, within churches or community or politics, it, it seems to you know quickly move from a conversation to an argument. And when it becomes an argument, and um, you know there is no uh, agreement, there is no working together, and and it just leads to you know uh, ultimately you, you even see hatred in it. You know there's disagreements to leads to arguments that then just leads to hatred, and, and you see such divisiveness amongst people on all topics. Um, and so you know I think that's the encouragement for us as uh, brothers and for the church is is even in our disagreements, how do we uh, create and role model and example unity and ha- and what are the things that we can come around and and be a light to the world and uh, so i see it even with all the tension we've talked about uh around us what an opportunity uh for the church and and for his people um to to create unity where there's not unity happening yeah chan something really that both of you guys just said that i just picked up on uh Chan, you said everyone has their agenda. And then uh, you mentioned whenever we reach an opposing uh, agenda or opposing ideology or an opposing uh, viewpoint, 
um, we are tempted to bulldoze down the other side. And, and what that made me think of is really the underpinnings of our society that we live in, uh, the fingerprints of kind of Darwinianism, social Darwinianism. And if that's a term that's um, foreign to you, familiar, it, it's kind of like it's the idea of survival of the fittest, um, that whoever is the fittest, the biggest, the strongest, those are the ones that deserve to not only thrive, but the ones that deserve to continue to exist. And anything that is weaker or lesser than that um, deserves to be blotted out or maybe not even deserves, but that's kind of the natural consequence. Um, and we have this idea that there's this the social Darwinian part of us where we have to bulldoze down and we have to defeat and overcome opposing viewpoints uh, to us. And at the same time in our society, we value uh, the individual over everybody else. So we, we make choices based on what's best specifically for us, maybe not even necessarily um, our family members or our friends or, you know, even our church or whatever organization that we, we latch ourselves onto. So when those two things kind of come together, that what I decide, what I feel like is best, is what is best, mm -hmm. but that isn't conf con conflictory with what you think's best. What I have to do is actually defeat you and overcome you. Mm -hmm. and, and the bad thing is, is you know that's not Jesus's vision for life. That's not his vision for how we live the good life, but yet um, we're all formed by something, and we may be being formed by the culture that's around us uh, more than we might think. Right. You know, I was uh, on that note. I was uh, had the opportunity to to speak with a um, uh, state level politician, and uh, he was just in a in a moment of just of being real. He he shared with me. Um, he said, "Chan, you know, there was a, a time several years ago when I gotten into politics." He said that you know that both sides, uh, even though they had opposing views and in different goals eventually they would find a way to compromise, find some common ground and work together and come together. He said he just feels like those days are behind us now where um, there's really very little interest in compromise, giving and taking. And now it's more about what we want to accomplish and we're going to do whatever it takes to, um, to push our agenda through. So there really is no desire for compromise that would lead to unity, or at least uh, the desire to have one's way is greater than, than compromise and, and unity. And uh, the, the, the politician I was talking to, he just said, you know, he said that that's just a recipe for disaster. And, and we see that same principle in the word of God, you know, a house divided uh, will certainly fall. And, um, and we, and we've seen that. And I think in many different aspects, Matthew, you mentioned the family, mm -hmm. uh, not long ago, we, we see that in our own nation, nations around the world, uh, that when we just quit, um, desiring unity and compromise and the value of working together, uh, I think then we would get in, um, into danger of, of crumbling. Well, I know, and even on a personal level, um, you know, we all can fall into that temptation of, you know, what we believe or, or just even at a core wanting to get our way. And, um, you know, um, just in the context of family and raising kids, there's times where we have disagreements and different views and uh, even being married. And, and uh, you know, you'll learn. And I think that's the thing that character in Christ produces in you is that um, it's not about always being right or getting your way. And then you learn, you know, you don't always have everything figured out. There's another way of looking at things, and you can learn from other people's perspectives. Uh, and even ultimately, if you disagree, learning from other people's perspective and having that heart 
that creates a conversation that creates unity and not a disagreement, an argument, and then divisiveness. And, uh, we all have experienced that even on a personal level. And so, um, I love that God can use what we see in, uh, whether it's politics or in the church or our community, but, but we can also relate to it because we've been in those situations and there's times where we've been acted out selfishly to try to get our way. Um, but how Christ brings that to our attention and can use the world around us to give us an example sometimes of what not to do, but also examples of what we need to really strive for. And ultimately, it's his character. It's the way that he works and, and the, the way that he would want us to work um, when we really care more about him than we do about getting our own way or being right all the time creates that unity. And I've seen that in the context of, of family. Uh, I've, I've led that. I was telling Chan earlier, I've, I've done that the wrong way before and created divisiveness and tension because I wanted my way on something. And I've been able to create those same kinds of things and create unity in the context of family. When I do it the way I think Christ has called us to do that. Yeah. I think kind of, behind all that and, and maybe a lot of what we're seeing today is the growing uh the growing sense of tribalization um and, and kind of what i mean by tribalization is is when you uh, subscribe to a certain set of ideas or a certain beliefs or you say i stand uh for this then you automatically move yourself into this this group of people and and you know sociologists refer to it as like a tribe mm-hmm. um this this group of people believes these certain things and the upside of that is for that person that it gives them uh, a sense of community, but it also gives them a sense of identity that I stand and for these things, I believe these things, therefore I am sort of these things. I'm sort of embodying these, these belief sets or these ideas. Uh, but the bad side of that is, is um, right now we're in, we're in this cultural moment where my tribe is really no more for what I'm against being against these mm-hmm. other tribes, being against these other groups of people rather than, than what we're for. And then uh, kind of just like you're saying that when we don't have that humility to be able to approach a problem, whether um, it's in politics or whether it's in church or what, like you said, whether it's just in your family uh, to where we can, we can be humble enough to say like, we have to have a, a conversation. We have to be able to, um, talk and maybe even come to a compromise or, or maybe even be able to agree to disagree, but not depart from a relationship. Right. Uh, and that, and that just seems like we're just in a moment where that's just not allowed. That's right. Uh, where it's like, we, you cannot back down, you cannot cave. Um, and if you do, you're going to be ousted from this tribe. And for some people that is a loss of their sense of identity, that's a loss of their sense of community. Do you guys have any thoughts on that? Well, you know, I think you said a key word there, David, and that for me, that key word was humility. Um, I think uh, humility is just a, a trait that has lost its value um, just in the uh, recent era. But uh, I, I, certainly humility is, is a key word that would describe um, the ministry, the personality of Jesus Christ. He, uh, he exuded a humility in all things. Uh, he talked about the value of humility, uh, that those who are humble would be exalted through his strength and his grace and um and so i I think without humility we certainly um finding unity is going to be even even more difficult and uh you know our our key verse kind of the anchor verse that we're hanging uh, our spiritual emphasis on is uh from first corinthians chapter 1 verse 10 
the Apostle Paul was actually writing about unity in the church at Corinth, and he wrote, um, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. And uh, I really believe before we can um, ever come to a point where we can, uh, uh, you know, allow not allow division to overcome us, uh, we have to admit that maybe I don't get everything that I want. Maybe there has to be some compromise. Maybe I have to have compassion, and I definitely have to be uh, humble in my approach. And uh, that those things, I believe, is what at the heart of what Paul was getting at. These are the things that lead to unity in the church. I like what you said too earlier, David, that, um, you know, even as we have these discussions and we, and we have these, what you referred to as the tribes and, and the camps or whatever, um, that it's not at the expense of relationship. You, you see that as, uh, you know, one person has this view, another person has this view. And it, it's, you know, it's right here amongst us in our community, in our church. Um, and, and, and that creates that loss of relationship. And I think that's just, you know, the verse you read just reminds me of, that that's the point is we don't have to lose the relationship even if we have a disagreement or we see something a little bit different way and and i almost think if we do and it's a cost of a relationship or we oust somebody from our group because of a disagreement or because of a different belief on something um you know i I think that's the opposite of what god's calling us to do and we always talk about around here that relationship leads to influence and if you cut off that relationship because there was a disagreement or you see something differently then there's no way to have that conversation that might either bring you to understanding or the other person to understanding because because of that you've kind of kicked them out. So I think that always fighting for that relationship um, is key. And I know it goes against, you know, I want to be around the people that look like me, think like me, walk like me, support me and are for me. <laughs> and as soon as there's something that goes against that, we tend to want to either get away from it or, or you know. And so I, I just know uh, – Christ in me causes me to want to step into that. And even some that may be a little more difficult as far as relationship to keep fighting for that relationship, to find the common ground so that we can continue to build relationship. Because I think again, now more than ever before, that's the opportunity that we as followers have is to model that Uh, because Jesus comes into us and everything is counter to our, our human nature and our sinful nature and uh, that's an opportunity that we have that he will help us do is to, to create those relationships that are deep and that are bonded uh, and that can model even in our differences or our, our different looks and feels and things about uh, the ways we think about things that we can still come together and be unified and have a love for each other, not just learn to get along in our disagreements, but we have a love for each other. Um, and there's so much strength in that. Yeah, I think whenever you... Uh, like you're talking about, whenever you surround yourself with people who are exactly like you, that have the same belief sets as you do, that have the same viewpoints, and and no one is ever kind of challenging you or no one is ever trying to encourage you, maybe look at this problem from a different angle or a different viewpoint. I, I think the bad part of that is is we're actually missing out on what Jesus had a, what his vision for having like the best life right. is, to having right. the good life is, and and you don't have to look further than just you know, the first few hundred years that the church existed, if you if you flip back in a history book, you know, the church was people who were rich, it was people who were poor, it was men, it was women, it was people from all kinds of different ethnic backgrounds, all types of different racial backgrounds, you know, that the ancient Near Eastern world was just a big melting pot um, where all these different uh, cultures and societal influences were coming in, and uh, people 
you know, just like back, just like today, tended to stay, you know, in their own group or their own class. But what made the church so, I think, lively and appealing, um, historians say, is they were willing to cross over those boundaries. Mm -hmm. They were willing to seek unity with people who were slaves or who were former slaves, people who were prostitutes or were at the, you know, the bottom rung Mm -hmm. of the societal ladder or sitting side by side eating from the same table, taking the Lord's Supper with people who were at the top of the societal ladder. And, and they, they, they stepped over what was normative for their society. They stepped over into what would have even have been offensive uh, in that society in order to fight for that unity. So, you know, um, I think it's Eugene Peterson is the one who said that there's no successful congregations in the new Testament. And I don't feel like you have to, you know, we just did first Corinthians for like what, 600 weeks chance. Uh, you know, you don't have to look further than like a letter like first Corinthians and know like, man, it was a mess. Yeah. It was a mess, lively and compelling, but yeah. still a mess. Yeah. And uh, it's like, well, what made it so compelling? And I think it is that unity. And I think that's why no matter where you look in the new Testament uh, that continued force that continued push to to be unified to endure to bear with one another to show patience to do all those things um to protect it because i think that can be our best um our best mode of evangelism in some points and you know they had to feel that tension it's not our human nature to step into that when you have that variety of people and differences walks of life and opinions you you know that you can uh, not want to step into that so you know they felt that tension but when 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 they do that that's the body of Christ you know coming together and 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 we're all different and but coming together and being unified in him it's just a, a great expression of what we're supposed to be uh something that just kind of came to mind that I wanted to ask you guys is you know let's just say someone's driving around in their car listening to this or maybe they're doing some chores around the house and um they're thinking you know, like that sounds good. Like I understand, like the Bible says, you know, we're supposed to be unified with other people. We need to get other people around us who are different than us. But like, is there any value? Is there any benefit on the, on the other side other than, well, I'm just supposed to do this because the Bible says so. Is there anything, because when you put it that way, it makes it kind of sound like going to the dentist almost. Like, man, I know I'm supposed to go to the dentist because it's supposed to help, but I don't really look forward to it. It's one of those things that I kind of just kind of bear and endure and I do because I'm supposed to. Do you think there's any like any felt benefit or any felt um, difference that can be made on the other side. If you if you were to really buckle down and say, I'm going to fight, I'm going to fight for unity, what do you think is on the other side? You know, the first thing that comes to mind, David, when you ask that question is, and you mentioned this a minute ago, you mentioned the uh, living or finding the, the good life. Uh, we might say living the blessed life. And uh, my mind went right away to the Sermon on the Mount. In in the Beatitudes, Jesus is, is talking about... Um, the blessed life, if you will, and what it means to be blessed. And he lists some things. And one of those things is, uh, blessed are the peacemakers. Mm -hmm. And that word is not insignificant at all. That word peacemaker means to be one who has found peace. You found the source of peace, and then you show others where that peace can be found. And I just love that passage because he says, there's blessing. There 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 is a blessing in this life a supernatural blessing that comes from the Lord when we who have found peace in Christ show others where that peace can be found. And I think that does speak to unity in so many different ways um, because unity and, and peace go hand in hand. When there is no unity, there is no peace. And I think if we understand 
the greater picture of who Christ was that uh, that he came to bring peace. It was a different kind of peace than this world gives, but he came to bring uh, peace in our souls and in our spirits between us and, and our Heavenly Father. And I think when we understand that we're to reflect that kind of peace um, and, and we are willing to step into sometimes the disunity or uh, the conflict and w- with the mind and, and the heart to bring about the peace of Christ into that moment, there's a blessing that comes from that. And uh, I think I think the blessing is what we talk about or what we think about when we hear the term abundant life. Uh, there, there's, a, there's a better life than just always winning or making a point or just making sure I have my way or that my, my voice is heard. I think Jesus was getting, driving down to the point that there is a spiritual blessing when we are willing to step in and work mm-hmm. for peace, especially when it's peace that's only found in Christ, uh, because then we're doing what he said, being a peacemaker, showing others where that peace and that unity can be found. That's right. Well, and I think when you say that, David, I'm, I'm thinking of, you know, uh, I feel like according to his word and what he's calling us to do, but then when, when you feel prompted to do these things and get out of your comfort zone, um, and engage different people. And, and this happened all across my life and in my family. And, but when you respond to those, I remember the first times you're doing some things you've not ever done before, but you feel God leading you to reach out to this person or these, these kids and these students, um, or, or these neighbors, it can be very uncomfortable at times. And you're like, then there's some uncertain things. You don't know how you're going to be received and how people are going to respond. And, um, but as you do that, when you're feeling that's what, you know, uh, the scripture says, and God is prompting us to do these, um, you start to learn that he's going to uh, equip you and, and, and even in uncertainty and even you can't control other people and their response to things, uh, you, you always learn. And I think we're, uh, as we step out of our comfort zone and as we go against maybe what our own human nature is um, and, and defaults are, uh, and, and God's leading us to engage with neighbors, engage with, uh, you know, our, our kids' friends that may not be raised like them and may be struggling with different things. And we put ourselves out there and uh, we start inviting them in our home, inviting them to church and going and picking them up. And you see God moving and doing things uh, that, yeah, not everything goes well. And sometimes you're, in, you're not in your comfort zone, but as you continue to do those things, um, he, he continues to grow you, and, and it's, it almost gives you more confidence and faith to step into the next thing. And I've seen him grow that. It sometimes can be even more further the next one out of our comfort zone and engaging people that we might normally not engage. Uh, um, but I've seen great fruit from that, too, and, and it just encourages you. I think that obedience to him um, gives you that courage, and even when something doesn't go well or you don't get the response you thought, if you're acting in obedience and doing something he's led you to do, it, it causes you to grow in that. And it, and then you, uh, you're you stretched in what you might thought, you know, there's things that we'll do now and engage people in a way that years ago I might not have done that, but I've learned to be obedient, respond, and get out of my comfort zone. And, and even when things don't go as planned, there's still something I can learn from. And trust God, too, that he did a work that I might not have seen in those situations as well. Yeah, I think you're bringing up something that would be really good for us to tap into is let's talk about practically, someone's listening to this, just brass tacks. Like, what are some steps people can take towards being unified to other people? What are some things that uh, they can adopt, that they can put into practice more than just thinking, 
okay, I should be unified and then turning off this podcast and going back to whatever it is that they were doing. What are some things we think we can do? And I think you said one thing that, that really um, keyed in for me was uh, just talking to people face to face. It's easy to uh, demonize or to um, put someone into a, a category in your mind um, that they are other or that they are against you whenever they're nameless, whenever they're faceless, whenever you've never had a discussion with that person because your mind um, just begins to just kind of label those people and put them into certain buckets and stuff in your mind. But what I've always found is amazing is even um, when I'm having like uh, maybe anxiety about having a conversation with someone rather than allowing my mind to race and, you know, play 10 conversations over and over. If I actually go and I talk to that person, if I'm frustrated with them or even if I don't know them, um, there's something about just talking to someone face to face that humanizes them. Uh, it helps you see who they, who they are. It helps you see that they're a person just like you. It makes them way less frightening and way less scary. But I I think maybe today there's so much, um, uh, of a mindset where it's like, you don't do that. Like you don't talk to people that you don't know. Like you don't actually go and talk to your neighbors and stuff anymore. Maybe in like in our context, you know, in a smaller town that makes it a little bit easier, but still, I think there's an idea that's pervasive of like, you know, we have to respect everyone's space. We, we have to stay, you know, in our, in our own zone. And we, we, you know, we shouldn't go out and try to, you know, strike up a conversation with someone you don't know. And if you've ever tried to do this before, like if you're a particularly outgoing person and, and, you know, you just try to start talking to someone like while you're waiting in line at the grocery store or, or you're in line somewhere like that, like it's almost like a disquieting experience mm-hmm. for some people. They're like, feel like very taken aback or uncomfortable um, to do that. But I, I think that even just going and, and, introducing yourself to your neighbor. And when I say neighbor, I mean like in the actual most physical sense, the people who live in close proximity Mm -hmm. to where you live and you sleep every night. I I think that helps. It humanizes those people. It forms a relationship. And I think that um, that's at the core of Jesus' teaching of loving your neighbor. Like I think he means both, you know, everyone that we come in contact with, the person that lives 10 feet away from you and the person who lives a thousand miles away from you on the other side. I think he means that, but he doesn't also mean less than that. Mm -hmm. Like I think his primary meaning is like, the people who live in close proximity to you, like how are you loving and, and affect those people? And I think that's something practical um, that we can do to begin to fight uh, for unity with those who are around us. And then even at church too, you know, how many people come in and out of church every single week and they only know a handful of people there. So you definitely have to be proactive, I think to, to, to engage people and, and deliberate, but in that, you know, asking questions and listening. I think listening's a big part of it. It's yeah, easy to, um, you know, to walk up and already have something. Hey, I want to meet this person because I have something to tell them, mm-hmm. or I see something in their life that needs to be corrected. So I want to meet them and 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 go tell them what they need to change. Versus just engaging relationship first and valuing them, like you're saying, as a person. Because we're all designed for relationship. God created us that way. We all need it. And um, but just just to ask a question and build a relation, like we genuinely care for this you know, meeting people and getting to know people and to know who they are. Well, that requires listening. And, uh, and we've, we've kind of joked, all of us has felt that time to time, unless you, uh, paying somebody, they're not listening to you, you know? And, uh, so I think that's a huge opportunity that we have is just, you know, asking a few questions, but listening to people and then, um, you know, going from there. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Matthew. And, and if you're asking, does this really work? Uh, I was brought to mind, a few years ago, uh, someone um, called me out on social media for a particular stance I took on a particular subject. And um, 
chose to go to the platform of social media and just disagree with me publicly and kind of call me out and that sort of thing. And, uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm not one to debate on social media. So what I did, I just, uh, contacted this person privately and I said, Hey, saw your post. I uh, would love to grab coffee with you next week and just kind of talk about where you're coming from on that. And, uh, I think it really caught him off guard because he wrote back privately and said, Oh no, we're good. I just, uh, I just wanted to, you know, say something about that. He says, no, no big deal. Uh, he said, but I appreciate you reaching out to me. He said, I've never had anyone actually respond in that way. Uh, and, and it immediately just de-escalated that whole, that whole conflict. And even though we didn't have the opportunity to come together face to face since then, uh, I've run into that person a number of times. There's always respect. There's always kindness. There's always grace there. And so David, I think to your point, uh, just, just being willing to talk, have dialogue, uh, listening is such a, a huge part of unity. I think sometimes when I don't understand where, when, where someone's coming from, just being able to ask the question, hey, can you just help me understand your perspective? Help me to understand why you feel that way. And just, just a very simple tool like that can, can just immediately break down walls and allow discussion to, to happen. So Chan, are you saying that someone tried to cancel you? online <laughs> and you overcame it with love with love yeah yeah we'll, we'll just we'll just leave it right there yeah i think that was uh that was what was happened but really to to the point you know um it, it when when there was an openness to have that discussion and not to really just make a point or to win an argument um and all of a sudden there was a pathway forward and i think that goes just to circle back to where we started i think that's a practical example of kind of the high level idea we're talking about at the beginning is we when we're when we're listening to people it's almost like you're not listening to them to hear them you're listening and you're already forming an argument in your mind in order to overcome them and again that's that that darwinian nature that has been maybe silently shaping us and molding us that we're maybe not even aware of until you're in those high tension moments and then it comes out where it's like i'm not even listening to what this person's saying i'm just already formulating what i'm going to say whereas i think what you what you guys are both saying is maybe Jesus' vision for life is us practicing more empathetic listening. Mm -hmm. And just because maybe you don't quote unquote win the argument, so to say, that doesn't mean that your life is now going backwards uh, because you didn't do that or because you didn't respond. Um, it may be the right thing for us, the obedient thing to do, the way we should measure success is how am I responding to these conversations? Am I just trying to win them or am I trying to show love and those things? So I think those are great. I think that's what Paul was getting to, David, when, you know, he said, let there be no divisions among you. You know, there's going to be times where we disagree on things, and, and that's fine. We all have different perspectives and backgrounds and understandings and knowledge. Uh, there's going to be some things that we disagree on, uh, but we should never let those disagreements um, grow to where they become divisions, and especially in the church. Yeah, I think it's, um, I don't know if he originally said the, the quote or not, but it's attributed um, to him, but it's a, it's a Thomas Jefferson quote. And, you know, historically, not the, not the best guy in the whole world tried to chop up the New Testament and kind of make his own DIY version of Christianity. But one quote that he said that has always stuck with me is, I've never seen politics or, or religion as a reason to depart from a friend. Mm -hmm. um, and that's something that's, that I've kind of always uh, carried. I remember reading that you know, young when I was, you know, maybe ninth or 10th grade, uh, coming across that quote and thinking, you know, that's a good, that's a good mindset, uh, to keep because you're closing yourself off from, I think opportunities that the Holy spirit might grow you. And so, uh, as we get ready to kind of land the plane here, do you guys got any closing thoughts, any last 5% uh, that you want to share as we talk about unity, why unity matters is unity practical. Uh, and what can we do? 
Well, and for me, a practical side personally is, and then we're in our, our 21 days of prayer and, and we're reading through different scriptures and in and, and, and messages we hear on Sunday to, to be grounded in him on a regular, you know, in our walk and, and uh, in, in his word and, and praying and listening. When I talk about listening, listening to God as well and, and, and not just people, but um, it, it just helps us have a different perspective. As soon as you lose that time with him and you're praying and, and, and you're being obedient to his word, uh, we start to go our own way if we're not doing those things. And so I know he constantly reframes things. And he causes me to be stretched, to put myself out there in uncomfortable situations, but also to see the people. I always pray that, God, help me see them the way you see them, because I'll quickly draw my own conclusions by what they're saying, by how they look, by who they hang out with. And you can you can discern, and, and some of those may be right uh, assumptions, but at the same time, God can see a heart that I can't see. And and so I, I think being grounded in, in his word and praying it on a regular basis just continues to help our mind. Uh, and, and again, praying that he helps us to see situations and have the words that he would and see people how he sees them. Uh, I know apart from that, um, uh, my patience or, or my perspective can get skewed. So uh, to me, that's a practical thing I have to do. And I've learned that, that uh, uh, I've got to be praying and seeking him in all things and uh, to, to do the things that he's wanting me to do. I couldn't agree more, Matthew. You know, we have a saying around here that prayer always precedes the process. And I think in prayer, uh, we also are able to practice the discipline to be quick to listen and slow to speak. And I think that's one thing we should always pray for is that we, uh, like Christ, uh, listen uh, before we start making a point or start arguing. Uh, and uh, uh, that's such a, an important aspect of our 21 days of prayer. You mentioned that just a moment ago. Uh, we're praying for unity in several different areas as a church. We want to be unified in our vision, uh, in Christ, in doctrine, in relationships, in our service to our community and world. And then ultimately, we want to be unified in the love that Christ showed us on the cross. And so I do really believe it begins with prayer and um, practicing that discipline of, of listening, desiring unity more than I, I want to make a point, um, and uh, desiring to be as one, uh, which is exactly what Christ called us to be. Well, that's great stuff. Well, guys, this has been so fun uh, having this conversation. I'm so excited for this podcast and this project and, and moving forward. And for you guys that are listening, uh, we're not going to make a habit of asking you guys to do this, but if you could just leave a, a, a rating and a comment on whatever platform you're listening on. And the only reason I'm asking you to do that is because it helps the algorithm kind of push us from down in the depths where no one can find this resource and discover it to pushing us up a little bit further uh, in the search results. And that'll, that'll really help us um, as we get this going. So if you could just take just a, you know, a few seconds to do that at the end, um, that'll, that'll be a, a great help. And like I said, we're not going to make a habit of, of asking you this. This is a, a free resource that we're putting out for you guys. And like I said, in the beginning, it's, it's to help further your, uh, discipleship, but it's been so fun talking with you guys. We're looking forward to the next episode and we'll see you guys next time. Hey, thanks for listening to the Ridgecast. If this episode was helpful, please feel free to share it with a friend. For more information about The Ridge, visit us at theridge.cc or follow us on social media at The Ridge CC. See you next time.